You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Those Packers are so hot right now. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Mugatu, er, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's somewhat shorthanded, somewhat outnumbered, but never outgunned 30-16 win over the Atlanta Falcons at Lambeau Field, a game that was again played before the nation, this time on Monday Night Football. With the win, the Packers head into the bye in sole possession of first place in the NFC North at 4-0. Perfect first quarter of the season for the Pack. They're there all by themselves as a result of the Chicago Bears dropping a 19-11 decision to the Indianapolis Colts at Soldier Field on Sunday. The Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings, well, they're holding it down in the cellar, each at 1-3. The Lions lost to the New Orleans Saints at home on Sunday, so things are back to normal on that front. And the Vikings, hooray, they won a game, downing the Houston Texans in Houston in what ended up being Bill O'Brien's final game as head coach of the Houston Texans. I guess losing to the Vikings is just the final straw. Ownership's just like, that's it. Enough. You are out. Get the fuck out. We will not tolerate losing to the Vikings. That is not tolerated here. <laughs> it's just it. That, that broke the camel's back. You can't. It's stupid. That, even Bill O'Brien couldn't escape that. What a shame. All right, so before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Bear with me here. It's late. It is literally it's 1227 right now, Tuesday morning. So the least you can do is let me plug myself. Twitter, LampsMKE at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, I got a couple of nice emails last week. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the people who sent in saying they enjoy the show. The email is oldbagofdonuts, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. For anybody listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. I like those. Again, it's late. You could do that for me. Thank you. Four stars are good too. Anything else, forget it. Maybe a comment. That would be nice. I would appreciate that. And again, we are on Spotify. That's right, baby. Packers Talk is on Spotify. Search for Packers Talk and look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue that sits outside Lambeau Field. Hopefully people are checking us out on Spotify. Still, That hasn't worn off for me. I still think that's really cool. All right, I got that out of the way now. Let's go. Now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's did this. Let's talk about this Packers dub. And I can't think of a better place to start than with one name you'd probably expect in this spot, and then we're going to get to one name that you probably wouldn't expect in this spot. But I I have to begin by talking about Aaron Rodgers, who I know would appreciate the Zoolander-inspired opening. I went with Zoolander. The last three weeks I've done Blues Brothers, Sesame Street, and Zoolander. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with me? Anyways... Rodgers, great, another great, brilliant performance in this one. 27 of 33, 327 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, a 9.9 yards per attempt. That is insane. That is crazy. It just, 
I mean, I keep saying it every week, but he just seems so in control. It's incredible. This level that he's playing at is incredible. His comfort level within the offense. You know, they alluded to it on the broadcast. It does kind of feel like Favre in the second year with McCarthy. I think they talked about it was on the broadcast or the pregame show I watched locally. I can't remember. It's late. But somebody talked about it, and I thought, boy, that's a really good point. That uh, it does kind of feel like 07 Favre here, you know? Uh, Think about 06, Favre's first year with McCarthy was okay, not great. Certainly better than he was in 05, but still not the Favre we had been used to seeing. And then in 07, it just blew up, and he was brilliant. It kind of feels that way with Rodgers, you know? He wasn't the Rodgers we've come to know and love last year. Year two in the LaFleur scheme, shit's just blowing up all over the place. It's brilliant. Brilliant stuff. You know, I was thinking about this four-game stretch that he's had to start the season here. Um, I think it's is it 13 touchdowns, no picks so far. The Packers as an, as an offense, have they even turned the ball over? I That didn't dawn on me until I saw Mark Tauscher's tweet uh, late in the fourth quarter tonight. They even turned the ball over this season. That's crazy, and that starts with Rodgers, obviously. So 13 touchdowns, no picks to start the year. I was trying to figure out uh, this is when this is his best four game stretch since fill in the blank. I was thinking two thousand and where am I at here now? Uh, two thousand and seventeen, he was pretty good. If you look at starting in week two, uh, they lose to Atlanta. They beat Cincinnati in week three. Uh, they hammer the Bears in week four, and then they beat Dallas. Uh, uh, right at the end in week five, that stretch he had five, nine, 12 touchdowns and two picks. So that's pretty good. Although I have to say, I think he's actually playing better right now than he is. I, I think you got to go back to run the table. Like as that's probably the last time he's played this well, you know, at this high of a level, I'm going to find the numbers here on that. Starting with the week 16 game against Minnesota in uh, 2016, Again, the run-the-table year. He had, from that game, and then the Week 17 game against Detroit where they won the division, uh, wild-card round against the Giants at home, and then at Dallas, obviously the classic in the divisional round. There you go, 4, 8, 12, 14 touchdowns, one pick. So, pretty comparable. This is probably the best football he's played since then. I mean, it's just, you know, it's awesome. It's great. I don't even know what to say. It's, you know, it's brilliant. It's the throws, obviously, you know, his bullet to uh, Tanyan right at the end of the first half uh, for the touchdown. Tanyan's was his first of the night? Yes, yeah, first of the night. That made it Green Bay, uh, 20 to 3 Green Bay with 46 seconds to go in the second. That was a brilliant throw. I mean, that was an absolute dart. That was a pretty tight window. So, you know, it's it's obviously he's, it's the throws, but it's also it's the little things he's doing, you know? That play, I want to talk about this. So, Third and two, right? Fourth quarter, Rodgers scrambles out of the pocket. He doesn't get the first down. But there's a flag on the play. Defensive holding. That nets Green Bay a first down. That scramble helped extend the play, thus forcing the Atlanta defender. I think it was Tanyan, actually, that he grabbed. That forced the Atlanta defender to have to cover longer than he wanted to. Then he draws the penalty. For again, defensive holding, first down Packers. That stuff, you know what I mean? It's not just the stats. Those are gaudy. I talked about those, the brilliant throws. He's been making those all season so far. 
It's these little things that Rodgers, you know, we'd, we'd grown so accustomed to seeing him do that he kind of didn't do as much, it felt like, maybe the last couple of years. That play tonight, I feel like, is an example of that. That's the things that take a quarterback from being brilliant to being, I mean, like, brilliant, brilliant, like, all-time brilliant, doing stuff like that. You know, that was incredible. That ends up, you know, that drive ends up uh, with a Mason Crosby 48-yard field goal. 30-16, to 16, that closed out the scoring. But they don't probably even get that field goal without Rodgers making that play. So, you know, brilliant stuff. He's definitely an MVP frontrunner. At this point, it's him and Russell Wilson. I don't think anybody else is really in the conversation. That's great. Um, And it's, you know, it's just... And I love seeing, he seems so comfortable as a person now. Greasy kind of talked about this on the broadcast tonight. Brian Greasy, um, who I remember growing up as the quarterback of the 97 Michigan team that definitively won the national title. I don't care what any Nebraska Cornhuskers fans say. That Michigan team won that national title. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, Talked about how comfortable Roger seems as a person. And I've been, you know, I've been kind of saying that on the pods. He just... Ever since training camp started, he feels lighter. It feels, you know, he feels more comfortable. He seems to be smiling more. He seems to be enjoying all this more, which is funny because we all kind of thought he was going to come in super pissed off and scowling and angry. You took Jordan Love, you know, like screw you. And it's been the exact opposite. It's like taking Love, that Love picket like took the edge off or something. I don't know, but it's just, it's been a different Rodgers and he seems... I don't know, kind of more likable, doesn't he, this year? I mean, I always liked Aaron Rodgers, but he seems more likable. You know, toweling off Lazard's face last night, or not last night, last Sunday night against the Saints. Just like, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, he's he's, he's goofing around with, with uh, LaFleur late in the game. Imagine if those two liked each other, huh? God, they, the Packers could be even better. <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's been really cool to see. I've really enjoyed it. Rodgers was particularly dominant when targeting running backs and tight ends in this one, which of course makes sense as Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard were both out with injuries. This is from Rob Domovsky, Packers beat reporter from ESPN, who I mention every week. He doesn't pay me, but just he seems to have good stuff, good tidbits. This was at one point in the fourth quarter, Rodgers was 19 of 19 targeting running backs and tight ends. I didn't get the final number. I don't know if that he stayed perfect or if that improved, but at one point was 19 of 19. The last quarterback to go 17 of 17 or better to backs and tight ends was Joe Flacco in 2015. He went 21 of 21. Thought that was interesting. Great. I mean, he was really brilliant. You know, and I kind of thought that was going to be the case, you know, with Adams and Lazard out. The wide receiver group was green, to put it mildly, you know. So it felt like they were going to have to kind of lean on the running backs and tight ends a little bit more high school style. And it worked. It was great, you know. And if we're talking running backs and tight ends, how, how excited am I for this? We have to start with Robert Tanyan. Bobby T, Big Bob, Bobby Touchdown, whatever you want to call him. The man was freaking dominant tonight. Awesome. Awesome night from Bob Tanyan. I, I mean, six catches, 98 yards, three touchdowns. One, two, three. Holy shit balls. Three touchdowns. How how awesome is that? I mean, you know, and you know, I, I got to be honest though. I mean, I was kind of patting myself on the back on Twitter, which I do sometimes. I try not to do it too much, but you know, um, I, I said earlier today, I, I felt like it was going to be there for 
for Jay Sternberger and Robert Tyne. Obviously, Sternberger didn't. I don't think, did he even record a catch tonight or even a target? No, he didn't really play that much. But I talked about how I felt like it could be there for, for Jace and Robert Tanya tonight because if you look at uh, how tight ends have performed against Atlanta the last couple of weeks, Dalton Schultz from Dallas had a huge game two weeks ago. I think it was nine catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. And then our old pal Jimmy Graham, who literally runs like he's stuck in cement, he had six catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns last week. So I felt like, you know, I mean, if cement shoes Jimmy could get that done... What could an actual athlete like Bobby T do? And, you know, you saw it tonight. It was a breakout performance. I mean, really, physically, it's all there. He's big, 6'5". He's got good size. He's a good athlete. He can run after the catch. He's got good hands. And apparently, I didn't know this till tonight. Maybe you did. He could do fucking barrel rolls and still catch touchdowns. How awesome was that? Right? Third and three at the Atlanta 21. Was that the what quarter? I don't even know what quarter was that the was that the third quarter? Uh Atlanta DB straight up tries to tackle Tanyan coming off the line. Now he did trip him up. Tanyan rolls it was like a some kind of a half somersault. I thought it was more like a barrel roll. He gets up and he's still wide freaking open. He's got the hand up. Aaron, here I am. Rogers hits him. Touchdown. 27 to 9 Packers. That was a great drive. That was a great way. That was a great way to respond by. Uh, that was a great response from the offense after Atlanta showed some life on the previous drive. But I mean, barrel rolls gets up, roll out the barrel. Every time, how fitting is that for this state? Every time they play roll out the barrel on the big screen at Lambeau, now they have to they have to splice in a clip of Bobby T doing the barrel roll, getting up and catching the tutty. Great stuff. That was fantastic. In case you were wondering, they did mention this on the broadcast. The last Packers tight end to catch three touchdowns of the game? J-Mike. Jermichael Finley back in 2011. Let's hope uh, Tanya doesn't celebrate tonight by going to the Oval Office. But I digress. <laughs> All right, so. And then on the running back's end of that running back's tight end equation that Rodgers had such success with in this one, Jamal Williams. Holy shit, Jamal Williams. Eight catches, 95 yards. Great stuff from him. In the passing game tonight, you know, I talked about how he still has that that physical bruiser thing, but he he definitely seems to have slimmed down. He seems more athletic. He's shiftier. He's a little more, you know, he just looks quicker this year. It's, that's great. That was really evident, I thought, on the uh, 29-yarder. Rogers was a beautiful throw from Rogers down the sidelines to Jamal, and he hauled it in. Uh, that was great. That was in the first quarter tonight again. That was, I mean, that was just an example, but really all night he was doing great work in the passing game. Usually it's Aaron Jones doing the damage there. And he did, I mean, I don't want to leave him out totally. He had what? Five catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown was hilarious too. Hey, he lines up kind of off left, off left tackle, a little bit behind an off left tackle. Rolls out into the flat. Nobody goes up there and covers him. I can only imagine Aaron Jones and Rodgers in that moment being like, holy shit. Where are the defenders? Is anybody here? Well, this is easy. And he caught it for a score, so it wasn't like he did nothing. But, I mean, tonight, Williams was the star. Monday night, Williams was the star in that area. And then I do want to talk about the wide receivers a little bit. That's obviously, again, a depleted group. No Devontae, no Alien Lizard, no Alan Lazard. But I thought that group, I mean, they all made plays at times, right? And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, apparently ESPN has real trouble pronouncing that name. You should have just said MVS. That's what we call him here on the show. He had some nice grabs. That picked up first downs. One that ESPN didn't even show. Thanks for that, by the way. Did you catch that? 
when was that? Was that the first drive? Let me scroll through my notes here. That was, I think, the first drive of the third quarter. Yeah. It was the first drive of the third quarter. And I'm looking at the box score. I looked at Twitter quick, and I looked at the box score, and it showed that Rodgers had completed another pass. And I'm like, he, I didn't see it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, MVS with the catch for the first down. <laughs> Not ESPN's finest hour tonight. There was some choppy camera work. They were kind of focusing in on some 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 incorrect areas at times. There was a running play. They were focusing down the field, and I think it was Jones got stopped. And he was like behind the line, and they had the camera like almost at the second level of the D. It was just not great, not great work from the worldwide leader tonight. But anyways, yeah, MVS. He, you know, he had a nice, you know, he had some nice grabs, picked up first downs, kept the chains moving. Um, Malik Taylor, Gliak Power Baby, Ferris State University. He had a nice grab, fourth and two at the Atlanta twenty-eight. Rogers has nice protection, hits a wide open Taylor, sprints down to the Atlanta eight for a gain of twenty. That led to the aforementioned bullet touch, bullet pass to uh, Tanyan for the score. So it was nice. It was nice to see him get his first catch as a pro. It was his only catch for the night, but still, it was big. And then Darius Shepard had the was it the Thursday night game last year against the Eagles? I think it was a Thursday night game because it was brutal, just all time brutal performance in that one. But he kept working, kept battling. He makes the team, gets on the roster due to injury. Comes up with a 19-yard grab on third down. That sets up a first and goal. Now, that came on Green Bay's second drive of the night, and it led to... I know we're all throwing bouquets at the offense, and I'm doing it too, but I have to talk about this again because I just talked about it last week. The fourth and goal at the one. Why Why call a handoff to Jamal Williams there? That play was doomed from Jump Street. And, it, you know, and that's what happened. He was stopped short. Turnover on downs. That was a, that felt like a huge missed opportunity, you know? Atlanta goes on the long drive. Now, the Packers held them to three. But they go on that long drive, and it's like, God damn it, you know? Look, I... A couple things here. I understand it's all the rage now to go for it more on fourth down. The numbers support this. I get that. I'm not, like, anti-mathematics or anything. But I also think in a game like this, the the prudent thing to do there was to take the points. You've got an Atlanta team that's 0-3, right? You marched down the field on their asses for the first score. You're doing it again. Take the field goal. Make it 10-0. Show Atlanta, we're going to score every time we go down the field. You know, don't give them any life. Cut the oxygen off early as soon as you can. That gave Atlanta life. That gave them an early, you know, jolt. I would have taken the points there. Again, I know the numbers are saying go for it more, and I, I support that a lot of times. I didn't on this one. And also, again, I just talked about this last week. Stop trying to be a power running team. Matt LaFleur is so, he's so dialed in right now. He's in a zone right now. It's the one thing holding him back as a play caller and holding this offense back. Don't be a power running team. Your offensive linemen, they're not built to be, this isn't built to be, you know, a power running offensive line. It's just not. Not that they can't run the ball, because obviously they can Again, I just feel like I'm saying everything I said last week after that fourth down run with Jones. Uh, near midfield against the Saints that ended up, you know, they, they that play busted and they turned the ball over on downs. I just, it's not, that's not who this team is. That's not in their DNA. Not this year. I just, I hate that call. You know, and someone said like, why Jones last week, Williams tonight, why is A.J. Dillon on this team if he's not, if not for those spots? You say, well, if Dylan checks in, then they know it's coming to him. But so what? They knew the Packers were going to run the ball there anyway. And it, you know, 
if they know it's coming anyways, I'd rather the, the power back be the one to tote the rock there. Just didn't like anything about that. And it's the one thing I'm worried Lafleur is going to get too cute in a big spot and, and try that again, and it's going to blow up in his face. I hope not. Let's hope not. I'm going to be positive. Be positive, Chris. Be positive. They want to get 4-0. 4-0. So, yeah, really, that was about the only issue for the offense in this one as that group continues to cement itself as one of the best in the league. Shorthanded, way shorthanded. They still put up 30. Granted, Atlanta was shorthanded on defense, too, and got more shorthanded as the game went on, but still, great stuff. Can't really complain. And again, they haven't turned the ball over all year. How is that possible through four games? I don't know, but it is. All right, so let's move over to the defense now. Jesus, 20 minutes in, I haven't talked about the defense. Come on, I got to give them some love. I got to say, I thought this was their best showing of the year so far. I mean, Captain Obvious, right? 16 points, obviously the least they've allowed in a game this year. But I mean, it's just more, it was more than just that. You know, Atlanta, that's not a great team overall, but they had their full complement of playmakers, at least for the first half. And then Julio Jones, you know, exited uh, at halftime after re-aggravating his hamstring. That's why the Packers didn't play Adams. I know a lot of people on social media were pissed off about that. I thought that was the right call. And the Julio Jones thing just sort of showed that, highlighted it, like, don't rush a guy. Hamstrings can be a bitch. Hamstrings and groins are like a bitch. You know, they can just they can just irritate a guy all season, it seems like. Why risk that? Oh, just bumped my cup into the mic. You know, that'll be nice. Boom. But um those can be they can just nag you all nag a guy all year. Don't don't drag it out. Get Devontae Adams 100 percent healthy, get him back on the field. It was the right call. And the Julio Jones thing again highlighted that. Uh, you know, and the Packers came in without Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary. And then Shannon Sullivan leaves with a concussion. Kevin King leaves with a quad injury. Neither one came back. Chris Barnes uh, hurt his shoulder. I, he laughed. I'm not sure if he came back. And then Will Redmond got hurt. I never did find out what the injury was. And I don't remember if he came back. But they had a lot of guys banged up in this one. And to hold, you know, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley... Gurley isn't what he was, but he you can see he still has his moments. Julio for the first half. To hold that group to 16 points for the Knights, that's pretty freaking good. You gotta you gotta like that. Um I mean at one point the, t- the TBs at one point after King left and Sullivan was already out, I think they had Jair and Josh Jackson, I think were the only two corners on the field for certain plays. Even when they were in like nickel and it looked like dime stuff. It looked like they had all safeties filling out the other spots. It looked like they had Savage almost playing corner. But Savage was out there. Amos was out there. Redmond, Green. I think I think those were the four plus uh Jair and Jackson. But, I mean they were they were relying on safeties to play the corner spot at times. It was, you know, Kadar Holman was getting his first action of the season tonight. It was they they're get they're getting thin there. That's something to keep an eye on as uh they come out of the bye, but they made it work tonight. You know, they made it work. Thin, so what? Still worked. For the defense, it was really, it was the studs that led the way tonight. You know, I got to talk, I talk about Z. I should just have a, a segment every week called Z Corner. Let's go to Z Corner now. I'll put on like a, well, I'm already wearing my my Packers Pro Shop made Z J shirt. I put on like a cardigan like Mr. Rogers. Time to go to Z Corner. Three sacks. Three sacks for Zedarius Smith tonight. Lined up all over the place. You know, he's lining up on the edge. He's lining up over left guard. He's coming right up the middle. The guy was just a devil. He was just a demon tonight. It's awesome. Love it. 
I thought he had a forced fumble at one point, but the box score, the ESPN box score, isn't showing it as of now. He poked that ball out, was it in the fourth quarter, and then Atlanta recovered? But I, as of now, no, it's just the three sacks. It's still awesome. And he made some plays against the run, too, though. He did leave that one on the table where he had Gurley dead to rights in the backfield and couldn't wrap him up. But he was making plays against the run, too. You know, he, you know, he again, just, I say it every week, he's got that thing. You know, the Reggie thing, the, the Woodson thing, the Clay Matthews thing, the Hey, somebody's got to step up. I'm doing it. And he did it all night tonight. It was aw- I mean, dude, he 55 was in was in on shit all night. Love it. I just love that dude, you know? Like, when I had this J-shirt made, it came down to Z. I was thinking maybe Kenny Clark. I love Kenny. But really, it was kind of a no-brainer it was going to be Z. And then Jair Alexander. Oh, my God. Jair. I, I love Jair Alexander. You know, didn't have tonight. I mean, obviously, the stat sheet. Did he even? What did he have? Well, six tackles, okay, four solo, but but no real playmaking stats, so to speak. Doesn't matter. He made Calvin Ridley a non-freaking factor in this one. Targeted Ridley a few times early, but then he, he wasn't targeted. Calvin Ridley wasn't targeted again until like the fourth quarter. He's been having a great season. He's really emerging as one of the better wideouts in the league. Jair completely negated him tonight. Stud. Stud. Just Atlanta wasn't even thinking about it. It was like, we'll go anywhere else other than at Jair. It's not happening. He's becoming that guy. You know, that shutdown level corner. It's not going to be cheap. I'll say that right now. It's looking ahead a little bit. Not going to be cheap. I think he may top the $100 million mark when he signs the inevitable extension in Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. $20 million a year player for sure. Yeah, that's, that's coming. And he's worth it. I mean, you know, again... Just just took away once Julio left. He just blanketed Ridley all night. It was awesome. So yeah. Those guys you can't even put you can't even put into words how valuable players like that are. It's to me, I don't know what the hierarchy is. It's obviously it's quarterback, and then in some order it's left tackle, impact, pass, rusher, shutdown corner. So one of the form the the foremost important positions on the team, and he holds it down. And then when Ridley was targeted that final time in the fourth, fourth and ten at the Green Bay 26, Matty Ryan heaves it into the end zone. Ridley almost had it. Who swoops in to save the day? Adrian Amos. Flies in. Knocks the ball away. Turnover on downs. That was really encouraging to see from Amos because I've been, I talked about it after the game last week. I've been a little disappointed in him so far this season, but that's that was easily his best play of the year. So hopefully that's a springboard and he can really start to build on that and get back to the player that we all know and the player that we saw last year in his first year with the Pack. Um, the D-line, I thought they did about as well as you could expect. And they got punked a few times by Gurley, even though the stats might not show it. Like I said, Gurley is not the player he once was. He's, But he, I wouldn't say he's washed either. I mean, he still has some moments. But I mean, you know, without Kenny, they did okay. Is Snacks on the way? Will we be getting some snacks in Green Bay? That was an interesting development tonight. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Josina, is it Josina Anderson? I hope I'm saying her name right. I apologize. I apologize if, I, if I'm not. From uh, ESPN, uh, had a thing. She had talked to snacks, and he said he's going to Seattle tomorrow. D-lineman Damon Harrison, if you don't know, snacks. One of the better run-stuffing D-tackles in the game. Uh, he's going to Seattle tomorrow, and then he said he he's on his he's got Green Bay booked for Wednesday, which 
I said this on Twitter and I've said this on the show a couple of times too. That's it's I called it. That's exactly what I thought was gonna happen. Snacks, look. He talked about this at the end of the year last year. Playing for Detroit, as it usually does for guys, just was a soul-crushing experience for him. Soul-shattering. You know, wasn't even sure if he wanted to play again. So, and then I, you know, and then he says he's going to play again. And I thought, I kind of thought all along he was going to do what he's doing now, which is, you know, let the first month, the first three to five weeks of the season kind of play out. Wait and see who the real true contenders are. And then, you know, start taking visits. And that's exactly what he's done. I'm, I'm not surprised by that at all. Um Hopefully he gets to Green Bay. I, I fear that Seattle is going to make him an offer that he can't refuse. And Because uh, they know. I mean, Pete Carroll and, and Johnny Schneider know if he gets on the plane to Green Bay, that's they probably lost him. So they're, you know, they're going to do everything they can to keep him out there. Uh, but, you know, let's hope. Let's hope he can get, you know, he gets to Green Bay for his visit on Wednesday because I really think he would help, especially when they get Kenny Clark back. You know, Snacks is not going to do much as a pass rusher. But on early downs, run downs, you know, you know, third and shorts, fourth and shorts, we know they're going to run the ball or it's highly likely. Yeah, he could make a big impact for sure. So let's hope, you know, fingers crossed. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I talk enough about the special teams. I'm going to ignore me. I love Mason Crosby so much. I'm going to ignore his missed extra point tonight. I'll give you that's a gimme or that's a whatever. I'll forget it. It's I'm going to overlook that because I love you, Mason. I'm happy. I'm just happy that J.K. Scott got to punt the ball a couple times tonight. <laughs> what did they say? He'd only punted the ball six times in the first three games? I think they said on the broadcast. So he got to punt the ball a couple times tonight. Good for him. Hey, he practices. He shows up. He's there. He should get to participate a little bit. I feel old. You know, my birthday is on uh, Saturday. I turn 39. Not quite 40. I'm not there yet. Still in my 30s. Uh, he... I feel like I'm getting older though watching some of these kids. J.K. Scott looks so young. That replacement kicker for Atlanta tonight, Elliot Fry, he looks like he's like 11 years old. I was dying laughing when uh, Zach Cruz from uh, the Packers Wire is it? You know, if you're on Twitter, you know who Zach is. He's a good, great writer, good writer. Um, he was saying that uh, he tweeted at me that he was asking if I knew that uh, J.K. Scott and Elliot Fry were in the same grade. <laughs> Which made me kind of piss myself with laughter. Uh, I said, I did know that. I know they're on the same youth soccer team and that they both had their birthday parties at the same Pizza Hut last year. So, good for them getting in the game tonight. Fry's going to be, he missed the extra point, but he'll be the hit of recess tomorrow. It is at Atlanta area middle school. And then uh, Tyler Irvin, 34 yards. Jesus, am I 30 minutes in already? Oh my God. Well, you know what? This is a bye week. And Tyler Irvin, 34-yard kick return. That was nice to see. I predicted in the offseason, I'm still saying he's going to break one this year. I thought it was going to be tonight. He's going to break one. He's going to have a kick return for a tutty this year. I, I I have no doubt on that. And he's just so, you know, I probably haven't talked about his his uh, impact on the offense enough. He's just He makes things really difficult for defenses when he goes in motion with his speed. It's really just another thing that defenses have to worry about. And when you got a guy like Rodgers at the controls, that's huge. Okay, so 31 minutes in, big picture. Uh, right now, the Packers appear to be, along with Seattle, the class of the NFC. I would put Tampa Bay, the LA Rams, and maybe New Orleans in the tier right below them. But right now, it's Green Bay and Seattle, you know? 
the two MVP frontrunners, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, those teams are the class of the conference. I don't think there's any question at this point. It's early, but that's where we're at. This Packers team has a chance to be special. You know what I mean when I say special. I don't even want to say the word yet, the two words, but special. Yes. Rodgers is locked in. They got different skill position guys stepping up every week. Adams, Jones, the tight ends, Lazard, Jamal Williams. It doesn't matter, you know? Again, fourth and two. We need somebody to make a play. Here's Malik Taylor ripping off a 20-yard reception. The Packers last year were two, basically two-trick pony on that front, right? It was basically Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. That's not the case this year, not at all. They're They're deep. They're multiple. As the football nerds like to say, it's, it could be, it's, you know, it looks like right now the make, it has the makings of being an incredible group. Defensively, the group has their moments. They also have their issues. Again, the long Atlanta drive tonight, 20 plays, 94 yards. I mean, I know they only, they only allowed the field goal, but that was bad. That was bad defense for a lot of that drive. But, you know, with this offense humming the way it is, they don't need to be the 85 Bears. They don't need to be the 96 Packers or the 2000 Ravens for this team to go a long way. And the X factor is Matt LaFleur. He is so dialed in right now. It's huge. He's molded himself to this team. This team, you know what I mean? The the best team, when the coach molds itself to the team, the team molds itself to the coach. It's just, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And that's what's happening right now. He's dialed in. I think about with McCarthy, especially towards the end. It was the opposite of that. Even like 2014, you know, blowing the NFC Championship game, which I don't like to talk about still. But you know what I mean? It just, it felt those last few years, it never felt like McCarthy was fully meshed with his team. Like he was early in his career. But it feels like that's happening with LaFleur. That's really awesome. And that's huge. That's so important. Can't even put into words. Now, they need to stay healthy. This buy could not have come at a better time. Usually I hate the early buy. I hate it. But, oh, my God, this team needs it. They are beat to shit. They need it, and they're going to need health to stay on their side. But if the health stays on their side, right now, that looks like the only thing that could hold this team back from doing some really, really special things, which, again, I'm not going to say the two magic words, but you know what I mean. Okay, so I asked people to send some Twitter questions, and they did, which was great because it's late as shit right now. All right, let's get to those right now. being a jerk. Hold on. Okay, no particular order. Ian, at Ian Coppins, says, LeFleur is flat out next level. Designing a route with a rolling somersault to beat coverage. Evil mad scientist level genius. Yeah, I mean, again, Bob Tanyan, you know, the, the that's a play I think you keep, keep that one in the playbook. The barrel roll pop up. Because when you barrel roll, they don't they they think you're out of the play. They think you tripped or something. But if you've designed it, it's almost like a fumble rooski type thing, you know? Keep that in there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's great stuff from from uh, Lafleur right now. Seventeen and three. They mentioned that on the broadcast towards the end. I don't know if you saw seventeen and three in his first twenty games as head coach. That's not even including playoffs. What is he eighteen? Is it eighteen and four? Is that right? Say so they were thirteen and three. Yeah, 18 and 4 is head coach of this team. But 17 and 3 in the regular season. I mean, rare air. Paul Allen, or Paul Paul Allen, Paul Brown. You know, George Seifert, who was a good coach. And now, granted, his record's a little skewed because he took over the juggernaut that Bill Walsh built. But still, you know, Seifert was a really good coach for a minute there. 
This is rare air that Matt LaFleur is in. It's just, it's really impressive. For a guy that a lot of us were like, well, you know, he has his pluses, but there's also some things to wonder about when he was hired. It has paid off. It has paid off. Good thing they don't listen to me, huh? I was like, why aren't we interviewing Adam Gase? What the fuck do I know? (laughs) Okay, moving on. Craig Kruth at Sauerkraut87 asks, how concerned should we be with the injuries in the secondary? Uh, concerned. Yes, that is, I talk about injuries as a whole, but injuries to that group. That's something I've been talking about since preseason, since really the offseason, that, that they're thin. At the top, one, two, three, Jair, King, and, and Sullivan, they're as good as anybody in the league. Top five, as far as top three corners goes. But there's not much behind it, you know? Josh Jackson is... A second-round pick just trying to hang on to a spot on the team. And Kadar Holman, I like Kadar Holman. I think he's got a lot of athletic ability, but he's super raw. You know, he got in tonight a little bit, and he may have to play more. But, yeah, it's definitely a concern. They're they're good at safety. They're deep at safety, which, again, you saw earlier, they were basically rolling almost all safeties, including safeties at dead corner. But, uh, yeah, the, the secondary, the corner spot's thin. Yeah. I, I would still have Tremont Williams' number on standby, for sure. Because Tremont, I think, is the type of guy who could jump right in and get back to where he was last year fairly quick. So, it's a concern. Yeah, no question. Okay, Matilla, Matilla the Hun, at Matilla D. Hun. Packers' defense wasn't pretty, but they gave up just 16 points to the fourth-ranked offense heading into tonight's game. Oh, the fourth-ranked? I didn't know that. With Julio playing for a bit, Ridley, Gurley, Matt Ryan also playing. Atlanta may be 0-3, but not because of their offense. Not a Super Bowl defense, but a good enough D. Yeah. And I totally agree with you there, Matilla, that they, um, you know, I, I think I said this last week, like, if this is indeed a top five offense, and it sure shit looks like they are, you know, if they could, if the Packers could just be the 16th best defense in football, that's probably enough. Yeah, to get this team to where they want to be. Absolutely. I, I agree. Justin Cornwell, at, just, at Justin A. Cornwell. Justin, you, you seem to send a question almost every week, every week, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Justin. The only complaint on offense is goal line play calling, which has been off all season. Otherwise, I love everything about the way Rodgers is playing and Lafleur calling plays. It's also fun to see tight ends utilized well for the first time in years. I'm sad it's the bye week. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I talked about the, the goal line play calling with the fourth and one call that I hated. Um, it does seem like they've struggled a little bit there at times this year. When the field shrinks, you know, and it gets so condensed down there by the goal line, it does feel like this offense isn't as crisp, isn't as in sync as they are at every other spot on the field. I agree with you there. But, yeah, Rodgers is playing. I mean, Rodgers and Lafleur have really kind of molded themselves together, and it's... It's been great. I yeah, I I love everything about it. I agree. Tight ends, yeah, that's been it's true. It's been a, it's been a long it's been a long fucking time, no doubt. Uh, and I, and I'm sad it's the bye week too. I mean, they need it. You know, it is the worst week of the year as a Packer fan, no question. As far as football season goes, but they need it. You know, they do. Let's just hope it's not a 2015 repeat. Remember 2015? They started what was it six and zero? Went into the bye, came out, things were never the same. They got. Pimp slapped on national TV by Peyton Manning and the Colts. Peyton Manning, whose arm was was dead, he still lit the Packers up. Let's hope that doesn't happen 
as they do come out of the bye with another aging quarterback. They're on the road, national spotlight game against an aging quarterback whose arm isn't quite what it used to be. Let's hope it's different this time. I think it will be, but let's hope. Okay, uh, Brew Comp, my old pal, Adam Summers, bestest friend in the world, former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host. Brew Crewer at A Summers underscore time asks, how many cups of coffee tomorrow is five too many? And he sends me a gif of Ric Flair with the woo. Uh, no, I don't think five's too many. I know I'm going to be leaning on Mountain Dew hard. I was leaning on Mountain Dew hard tonight. I hate these night games. Oh my God. If these people who do like basketball podcasts or hockey podcasts or base where they like record a lot of their shit at night. I don't know how these people do it. I I am. It's one Oh five right now. And I'm bur- I'm burned the fuck out. So <laughs> I don't think five's too many. No, go nuts. Again, I'm leaning on Mountain Dew tomorrow. Hard baby. Ha <laughs> ha hard. And then last question comes from tie-dye block at all bombed out. <laughs> bombed out. That's interesting. Why does this team have so much swagger? And why is it because of Jay Swag Daddy? <laughs> he is fun, isn't he? I love... He's dancing. He's out there. He's out there strutting around before the games. I love Jamal Williams. He has fun. Dude, that guy's a guy... That guy just has fun all the time. Right? The Spinal Tap quote over the end credits, the drummer, have a good time all the time. That's Jamal Williams, baby. Love it. I love that dude. Yeah, he definitely brings a lot of the swag. There's no question about it. Okay, so that uh, I'm going to close the Twitter bag now. I should make should I make a sound effect? No, forget it. Um, thanks to everybody who sent along questions. Again, it's late as shit, so I appreciate it. Uh, as stated numerous times, hey, what the hell? Let's say it one more time. The Packers are heading into their bye week. They will return to the field Sunday, October 18th, for a game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That won a road tilt at Raymond James Stadium. Is it still called Raymond James Stadium? I hope so. That's scheduled for a 3.25 p.m. start. Will I do a show before then? I'm not sure. Maybe. I might not. You know, I would have been more. I I do like to do a bye week show, but they've only played four games. You know, I like to do the bye week thing where I talk about, like, most disappointing players so far. Biggest surprise in a positive way. Kind of map out the, the remainder of the season after the bye. But they, I don't know. It's so early. If got to keep it real. If if that if that is something you want to hear, send it along and maybe I'll do one. I'm not sure. If I do, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy ass world, and remember, always and forever. Go, pack, go.